You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Setup. I'm your host, Shubhang. And today I have with me Utkalika Badu, and we're going to discuss how different is leadership in APAC compared to the US. Utkalika Badu has been with Gartner for over 10 years. She has had the opportunity to take on multiple roles in the firm, including leading the financial services research teams, quantitative analytics, and data science functions, as well as other research practices. In her current role, she leads the global sales strategy and operations team for Gartner. Utskalika, I'm super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Shubhang. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks a lot, Utskalika, and uh, hope you're doing, you're doing the same. Yeah, Absolutely. Awesome. It was a pleasure to connect with you on the previous call with Kalika. So we've discussed a lot of details about your journey and all the details about, okay, how your experiences has been. So could you give us a quick introduction from your end and talk about your professional journey and things you've learned over the last couple of years? Absolutely. First of all, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So my professional journey spans about... 16 plus years and I've been fortunate to work with some of the best organizations, mostly in Gurgaon. I am a commerce graduate. I've completed my MBA from IIM Calcutta. Before going for my MBA, I had stint with eValueServe. So I spent a couple of years with eValueServe in their research division. And post that, the bulk of my career, about five years was with Oracle where I was a part of the pre-sales division. So I had the opportunity of working with a lot of clients, trying to understand how technology investments are undertaken. I was very focused in the financial services sector there. And that's exactly when I got pretty excited about just what technology means for all of us, as well as our clients. I worked with these firms and then took a break, went to do my MBA and then From there, joined another wonderful organization, CEB, which got acquired by Gartner. And I've continued to stay with Gartner. In fact, April this year, I completed 10 years with this uh, firm. And I often tell this to anybody I speak with. It's just such an amazing organization to work with. If I look back, it looks like 10 years. What all have I accomplished? So... (laughs) I've had the liberty of taking on roles for my choice and really grown with the organization. So if I had to summarize, the bulk of my career has been in the research space, so research and advisory. So both qualitative research in early part of my career and then quantitative research and data science kind of stuff in the second part of my career. And most recently, it's almost uh, two, two and a half years that I've taken on a completely different role, which is uh, leading the sales operations division for Gartner. So that's a short way of saying how my last 15 plus years have been in the industry. Well, first of all, congratulations on completing 10 years with Gartner. Thank you. And I mean, it's not a small journey to stay in an organization for so long and yet achieve so much. And as you mentioned, the most interesting part here is that the transition from the risk, I'd say, 
the research part of the job into sales ops. So I think we'll, we'll talk about it in the coming minutes. So as a leader, when somebody talks about leadership in today's world, there's a, a perception that this is the kind of role, so these are the kind of attitudes that the leader carries or the responsibilities that the leader carries. But there's a lot of difference between geographies, if I talk about leaders in different geographies. So what does it take to be a leader in today's world? And how different are leaders uh, compared to US and the APAC? Yeah, that's a great question. And leadership is something that, you know, when you're growing or when you go to your colleges or MBA, you have a very sandbox definition of who's a manager, who's a leader. And we all are fortunate to go through our own journey. So the definition of leadership itself is very personal. And this is the way I would put it. There is a saying that you can't really build leaders. You're born with leadership qualities. And I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree. Agree in the sense there are certain competencies which make it very fulfilling to be a leader in any organization or any even any country. And the elements that you pick through your leadership journey really changed the way you started off versus where you end. Like I said, I've been fortunate not just to work with great organizations, but great leaders, great managers, and I've, I've learned a little bit from everyone I've worked with. A couple of things, if I had to summarize how the differences are very pronounced between different geographies, a large part of what you bring yourself in terms of your authentic self to work depends on where you've grown up and i've grown up in india so the the way i've seen how work is done how families are formed how people spend time within the organization as well as outside the organization is obviously very different from where if i were born and brought up in the us or in europe because the family values are different the entire education system is different so some of the places where the differences are very pronounced would be areas where do you lead in a very authentic way or do you have to pretend to be some somebody else, right? Uh, do people relate to you naturally or do you need to make an effort to get through to them? Also, the power distance values, right? Here, it, I often work with my counterparts in the US and they come back to me and say, Utkalika, did we say something different? But because we were asking a lot of questions, the room was quiet. And I know sitting in the room that people are bursting with questions and they're thinking, okay, when is the right time? But am I even articulating it differently or would people understand that? So working through some of those cultural differences and being able to say, no, this doesn't make sense or yes, this doesn't make sense in front of a like a regional or a global leader is harder at times. Now, I don't want to say it's very biased. It isn't. But just being aware of those nuances of how people spend their time, how they spend their weekends, right? Here it is, before you ask, the individuals or the team members are more than happy to say, hey, I'll work late or it's just a weekend, <laughs> I'll work, it comes very naturally versus if you were working with a team in the US or some other geography where it's very clean that, you know, this is my personal time, this is my work time. So I'm still learning, but this fascinates me how it all boils down to two individuals in the room, one a leader and one a follower. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of what my view is on the differences between the two. Absolutely. I think you you put it in the best way. It's all about like how people perceive the roles to be or like how, how they treat themselves or the kind of work that they do. That's very impressive because you, you mentioned very rightly that how somebody treats their job 
and the life is one of the major major aspects because you got to have that work life balance which is very much appreciated in the western side so thanks for that information utkalika going forward how can sports or any other activity help in someone's career as per your perception yeah if i can take the liberty of just switching the question a little bit in the sense uh-huh. i've been very closely associated with sports and fitness okay. and love spending time outdoors like we say in the indian education system sports is good to do but it's not really what people would crave about it's a very small percentage so the way i would answer your question is just the importance of sports in your overall adult life it doesn't have to be career oriented it impacts in your relationships how you work with teams how you work with individuals so the way i look at it and again first hand experience is teamwork right just winning as a team which happens to be your gartner value as well but how do you look at every project or every assignment or every relationship as have you given it your best and then the outcome is not just totally your victory or your failure it's teamwork so how do you think about the team in a more collaborative way the second thing which i've really i can you know associate with leadership and career is when you're setting up your teams so one of my previous manager jay shankaram he used to say that he was a big fan of basketball and he used to asked me to follow basketball not because of anything else but would say when you're putting a winning team together you're not looking at all people who are making baskets or everybody who's on a front line or everybody who's passing really well you need a good mix of individuals in your team because that's how you think about success and that plays very well into the conversations about diversity and inclusivity where you're constantly thinking about a am i thinking of a winning team or am i thinking about individual winners and just assembling something that doesn't work together second have i created a good infrastructure or a system where every player is able to bring in their best different players require different conditioning some people are good with sprinting some people need more strength exercises some people need more stamina and that's exactly how you put winning teams together you need people who are winners but also people who are for the lack of a better word average but very consistent and people who are probably not great at five things but maybe great at two things which are missing from the rest of your team so both for me has been team building collaboration and then finally a desire to give in your best and that you can apply to like i said not just your work but your personal life as well that is brilliant a very well said i mean point because many many people today kind of miss this aspect in life that okay sports has a lot of value or i'd say it provides a lot of insights into how how we got to understand to succeed in life right. because not all the time you can't be a lone winner you got to work with a team Right. There's one more example that I had to bring in. Growing up, I had the opportunity to play tennis a lot. I still look at my mom and dad and say, like, how come? Because they don't have a sports background, but how come they chose tennis for me? And me and my sister had the privilege of just playing a lot of tennis and representing a lot of teams. Wow. And there also, I look back and I feel thank God I did that 
because the other aspect of working and not burning out is constantly taking care of our own bodies, taking care of our health, taking care of both physical and mental health. I've been able to see individuals who've been associated with any form of sport tend to think about their work life also in a very disciplined way. Absolutely. Being very conscious about how they sit and how much time they spend doing what, what they eat. And that helps them, again, to improve their quality of life, quality of well-being, and then quality of work. So that's the other aspect which yeah, I've been very closely associated with and I would love to share with everyone. This is an amazing point. I think all our listeners will agree to it and make sure that they bring some other kind of sports into their lives to make that change that is very much required in today's world. So moving on to the next question with Kalika. So you mentioned last time when we were discussing, you mentioned that quantic knowledge helped you a lot in analyzing the business goals and aligning it to it swiftly. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So a lot of the choices we make in our careers, when we look back, it's very easy to say I had figured out the pattern right from the day I started and took those steps. But <laughs> trust me, it's not the case. A lot of these choices just happen by luck and by accident. And so was my journey within the quantitative field. Like starting off, I never thought I'll build a career in the data space. But an opportunity came up and it sounded very exciting. And I took it on and I have no regrets. In fact, one of the best decisions I've taken. So I feel we're at a point where it's very hard, almost impossible to say we will not use numbers in this particular job role. So my sister is in marketing and I have friends in creative design. Even at that level, as you grow, you constantly have to think about costs. You've got to think about business cases. How do you convince? And being very objective, very number-driven helps. It helps you think clearly and it helps you communicate your thoughts very clearly. So for example, even in the research space, when we've got research papers which are very interview-focused or very qualitative in nature, unless and until we're able to summarize it very clearly and add some percentages to it or add some value to decision-making, it's very hard to get people A, understand the message or be convinced about the message. Similarly, you need additional resources or you need to make decisions related to which projects to continue or how many resources to put in it always helps to even jot down the numbers on a plain Excel. And I feel with Quant, you've got to constantly learn. But also remember, it doesn't have to be complicated math. It's very simple. It could be a two by two saying, okay, this is what we have in the X axis. This is what we have in the Y axis. This is what the decision is towards go or no go. So a couple of thoughts there in the way I've used numbers and I encourage everybody to be quant-oriented in, in their messages, in their projects, in their communication. That was uh, very well said, Kalika. I think uh, the kind of quant knowledge that came from the research side is kind of helping you in, in all the leaders, I'd say, jobs or the roles that you're currently doing. So coming to that specific part, you said you had made a switch from the research to sales ops earlier. And that's one of the very interesting aspects of today's discussion. So could you take us through that, that switch that you made in your job? Sure, sure, absolutely. So a large part of credit goes to just some of the organizations I've worked with and even today with Gartner. And I've heard this from a lot of colleagues even outside of Gartner. 
organizations are encouraging people to look at their careers not as like a ladder but a lattice and every mm-hmm. time which is really like you can grow not just by growing vertically but also taking roles which are more horizontal with different views which stretch you differently and that's that's exactly what happened here so given that i had spent considerable amount of time in the research space both qualitative and quantitative and various practices an opportunity again came up for setting up center of excellence for a within the sales operation space i had no experience mm-hmm. in sales but it was definitely exciting so i took it on and the way like i said before it's easy to say oh you know what it was a very mathematical decision because it made sense at that point in time etc but when i look back it's just you know a lot is driven by just your emotional stamina at that time that you want to do mm-hmm. more and you want to stretch yourself differently and that's exactly what i did so there are always places where you know you develop a competency or a skill set which is applicable irrespective of the role you take for example leadership talent management business case building uh, financial acumen analytics these are things that you can just lift and shift and then there are things which are very vertical driven so if you're in the product space it will be very technical about how you build products if you're in the it space it will be very related to how you probably write software so this switch was again a, an amalgamation of both these sets of competencies so i was able to use my experience of leading teams of building good talent uh, hiring great talent scaling operations so doing that in research versus doing that in sales operations so very similar mm-hmm. and things that were different were just the vertical right working with the sales organization is different from working in the product space or the research space because of the kind of individuals you work with how you make money right cost center versus a profit center so those kind of sure. nuances really helped me think about business more holistically and whenever i'm mentoring individuals i often encourage them to not totally disrupt but look outside their comfort zone look at outside their safe space to even learn about yourself so i didn't know what i'm good with or bad with except during times where i actually shook my like rock the boat and said okay mm-hmm. things are going fine do you want to test out and that's how you make your journey exciting and interesting and very rich both for yourself as well as the teams that you lead so that's really how the journey has been and fortunately i've loved every moment of it that is lovely because that's one of the major traits that i mean when i talk to all the leaders that i i get to hear is that they not just focus on their roles they also try to learn any other things that are happening in and around their team so anything that's kind of related to their teams they try to make sure that okay they gain some knowledge of it so that when it's a time to make a decision so they'll think of all the other factors that is affecting a one particular the way it has to be reaching the goal or the whole path to it so this was very well said utkalika i think most of the times the decisions that you make cannot be backed by a logical reasoning it's all about emotions as well if if you know you're strong enough to kind of make a switch and you feel that okay you have the right competencies to take up the new role so that's when you make a switch right brilliantly said <laughs> thank you i do want to add another aspect which i've learned i don't know where i picked this up from but mm-hmm. constantly looking at your support system and i don't mean just family absolutely family and friends 
are important, but you almost have to have a like a board of directors who could be a combination of your friends who think differently or who are constantly there to challenge you, your colleagues, ex-colleagues who've moved on to do different things or work in different organizations to constantly help you pressure test and also help you when you're really not sure of whether after you've taken a decision, was it a good decision or a bad decision? Or if you're struggling with something, you don't always need your manager or your boss to go to. You need to have that the bench of strong individuals whose tone you might not like or you might not like yeah. that they're always thinking about it differently, but they're there for you because that's how you improve yourself as a person. So when you're making these career switches or even life-changing decisions, having some of these individuals by your side to help you think straight uh, helps. So that's another aspect when we making these switches. That's awesome. I think that's a very good point that we can keep in mind. Knowingly or unknowingly, you have your circles, you have people around you who kind of impact your decisions and the way you think about how your life is. So that's very, very good point, Kalika. So going towards the next question, you're a leader and the most I'd say important role of a leader is not not just to achieve the goals, but to have the right team or how to pick the right talent and to make that right, I'd say, formula for the team to succeed in what they are assigned with. So how do you pick the right talent and what are the resources in today's world expecting from the employers in, in, in during this current COVID situation or the pandemic situation? Sure. I think I've just jumbled up two, three questions. Two questions, I'm so sorry. for sure. No, no problem. So I'll break that down into one is how do you identify good talent for yeah. us as an organization and then flip it as to what are individuals looking for when they're interviewing or when they're looking for career changes and how can we make it attractive for them? Perfect, yeah. Right. So for the first portion, I would definitely say I wish there was a formula of success where you say, okay, this is how you get good talent and this is where you get good talent from. And recruiting and interviewing is a skill which continues to develop. A large part of my job description is also getting good talent. And depending on whether we're looking for leaders or whether we're looking for individual contributors, there are certain things that work very well and certain that don't. When we're looking at individual contributors, just having a good sense of what is the job role what is it that you're promising today and what is it that both this individual as well as you expect them to do two, three years out? So looking at those chunks and getting a good combination of, say, core competencies like communication skills, technical understanding about the role, if that's a requirement, attitude, things around problem solving and ability to think, I wouldn't say out of the box, but also just deal with ambiguity, right, at all levels, because we uh, in a very different place where everything was very set in stone. People are constantly having to test out whether this makes sense and make decisions based on ambiguous situations. So that's the individual contributor piece. When I'm looking for hiring leaders, again, problem solving and ability to deal with ambiguity, certainly. That's basics, yeah. Yes, but also inspirational, just their style of speaking, the style of thinking, being comfortable not knowing all the answers and being comfortable with just helping good answers come from the team. Doesn't matter who's saying it. Those are some of the things that are important. How you test for these also varies, right? Sometimes it's just situation or behavior driven. Sometimes it's very direct questions. How would you deal with such a situation? And sometimes based on past experience, 
But I would say remember, just because people haven't done it doesn't mean they will not be able to do it. So being able to spend time on questions that are actually going to help you assess whether this person can do it or not rather than delving into how they did it in the past is also very important, which I've noticed a lot of interviewers go a little bit of, if you've not done it, you can't do it. That's not, that's not totally true. That's true. Yeah. So I think, yeah, let's, I'm eager to understand the other part. So what right. are resources kind of expecting in today's world? Right. So this part is, uh, especially in the pandemic world, and especially in this last six months, nine months, I would say, last year, probably, a lot has changed. And uh, people today, it's not just about total rewards. It's not about just monetary benefits. A lot of individuals come and ask about what's your culture? Kalaka, what do you stand for? What's your personal value? How will you back me up? How will you help me become a better individual? How will this organization help me take out time to do what matters to me? So thinking about both those, just preparing for those questions because that's what they need. They also need to be doing meaningful work. And meaningful work doesn't come from, yes, we're helping clients accomplish mission critical priorities. It's not just that. It's also is there some element of social impact? Are we doing anything for individuals who are not automatically included in the financial world or in their, from an education standpoint, what are you doing to drive more inclusive behavior? And how are you helping me bring my authentic self to work? So those are so many various elements. And if I had to simplify, it's really about helping new talent understand that this is a place where which is safe for them to bring their authentic self they could belong to any community they could belong to any diverse set of characteristics doesn't matter and they're welcome to work and then what is the organization doing beyond just salaries right what are you doing for my family what are you doing for the society what's your commitment outside of the pnl so those are two elements that i've there's been a drastic shift and just sometimes you feel that you're interviewing more than the interviewing the candidate. So you're expected to help the candidate see long-term career within the organization rather than them. So they're looking for a fit as much as you're looking for a fit within the organization. Yeah, that's that's so true. I think today is well, probably like I've, I've had this like almost 10 years of experience over here. So in this industry or I'd say the rules, but my perception of job when I joined an organization was completely different when I talked to the newcomers today. They are more practical. They know what, what are they going to value more. And as you mentioned, so how is the company going to kind of support them grow in the career as perspective or in all the other aspects of okay work-life balance and all these stuff. So I think that's very, very important in today's world how the resources are changing and probably even after the COVID, they know for a fact that, okay, they need a good amount of work-life balance today. If not, it's just all work and nothing else. So something which they did not appreciate in today's world. So I think that that's very well said with Khalika. I think we are towards the end. So normally we ask a couple of more questions to our audiences based on the resources and how people connect with you. So the next thing is like, is there any resource that you use these star audiences to refer to like a book, blog or anything? Yeah, sure. Personal and professional development is very close to my heart. So I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, reading things which just challenge my thinking a little bit. But I could suggest a few books that I've I've personally enjoyed reading and I constantly go back and read. 
So one of them is by Laura Vandercamp, 168 hours, which is really a good concept of looking at the next time you say, I don't have time for that. You've got to literally pause and think, is it not a priority versus you can always make time. So very nice way of just looking at your time more as holistic weeks rather than days and being able to do what you really care about. The second thing which I've found, I often go back is Ray Dalio's Principles. So it's mm-hmm. it's a book in the sense it's a set of principles that you can apply to your work life, to your personal life, to your relationships, to your colleagues, everything. So how do you run business? And you don't have to agree with everything that's in the book, but it helps you think about certain rules that help you scale businesses and scale things up. I enjoyed uh, reading Andrea Gassi's um, biography, Open, which is just mm-hmm. because I love tennis. So that was a yes. that was a good okay. conversation. So you don't always have to have very solid, this is the book that's going to help you improve. Sometimes you just want to immerse yourself in somebody else's life. So those would be some suggestions at the go. Wonderful. Thank you, Adhikarika. So the last question is like, how can our audiences get in touch with you? So my email is perfect. So it's kalika at gmail.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for Kalika Badu and I'm the only one who pops up. So I'm <laughs> happy to connect on LinkedIn. So those are two ways. And of course, we're all there on Instagram and we're all there on WhatsApp, etc. But these would be great ways to connect with me. Awesome. I had an amazing time talking to you. So any other quick thoughts before we end the show? I really enjoyed speaking with you as well. Great questions, but it's always fun to to speak with somebody you don't often work with. Like I said, I learn a lot by just talking to people and uh, looking at how different careers have been. So thank you for having me here. It's been a pleasure. And do let me know if there's anything else that you need or your listeners need. And I'm, I'm happy to chat. 100%. I think I'll I'll keep in touch over LinkedIn to make sure that, okay, if there's a new topic or if there is a new development that's happening in, in the world, in our industry, so I'll keep you informed that, okay, can you jump on a call to kind of record awesome. this particular topic as well? So that's always open from our end. So anyway, it was a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. It was great talking to you once again, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.